Court. We're using paper because we know that we can only sort of put stuff up on the screen to be able to see in the way back. So I invite you to pick those up. And I would be grateful if someone is game to push the buttons advancing this. Uh, yeah, you'll do that? Thank you, Patty. I'm glad you're all here. I'm going to get underway. Um, we've got a variety of things to cover. So, the Lord be with you. Let us pray. O oh, good and gracious God, you have called your people to gather and be your church, one body with many gifts, that we may be here for one another that we may share our strengths and our blessings, as well as our needs and our sorrows, that as we embody your love in community, we may show forth that love through our lives, that it may ripple all across the land. Be with us now in the midst of our conversation and discussion. Be with us this day and always. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So the sequence of this meeting, I'm going to mostly follow the agenda, but I'm already moving it around because some people need to be in some different places. Uh, but I am going to start, and Patty, if you would hit the button, we're going to start with, uh, um, maybe you got to aim it at that. There we go. Let's see. That's, um, I'm going to invite all the staff to come up, but be careful because as soon as you step here, you're going to be blinded. So um, first off, I want to introduce to you our staff because um, they're fabulous. They are fabulous. And I know that some of you get to see some of them, some of them a lot, and some of you don't get to see them very often. And I'm just going to go through, and we got Joshua Daniel, our, our associate for evangelism and discipleship and pretty much all sorts of other things, and Mitchell Felton, who is uh, going to be ordained a priest in just a few weeks' time, <laughs> director of youth ministry and curate. And Greg Parker, who takes care of all of our finances and administration. Big job. Cammie <laughs> Caudill, a missioner for equity and justice and all things outreach. Michelle Prince, who's our coordinator for pastoral care ministries and always knows where the needs and prayers can be placed. Susan Flanders, assisting priest and wise and with us. And thank you. <laughs> Katie McGurvey, Director of Children's Ministries, who leads our children. And behind her, Aaron Childers, Director of Operations. And David, David Griswold, Deacon David Griswold. Um, and Patty, if you'd keep these going through. Now you've got to aim it at that. There you go. Thank you. Um, and Anne Tim Payne, and who leads all of our music. And Diane Heath, who supports her, works with her, and needs more music. And Anique Milda, who helps in the office and manages finances. And Courtney Hundley, shy back there, always greeting the latest folks. <laughs> Jamal, Jamal, you better step out from behind the column. Uh, Jamal. <laughs> 
So let's see who, um, there are a few people who are not able to be here at the moment. Uh, let's see, Lauren DeVito uh, is not here and Heather Beck is not here. Heather is, um, there are only two people new to the staff since we did this a year ago, um, which is wonderful. Heather has uh, joined us as Director of Stewardship and Finance and Adeline Tyler Williams, um, Associate for Formation and Discipleship. And as part of this communication team, let's see, Amanda Fulton is not here because Amanda lives in a state far away. And uh, Rashid Ghana is, I believe, with Diane, the longest serving member of the staff. Rashid produces all of our print material. Um, wonderful. And let's see, have I missed anybody? Kate Murphy's the head of the nursery school. And Mitch, Mitch is here. You know Mitch is here, but. Mitch does not like to stand up in front of people. So, and Sarah Burton, who makes great music um, with the We Worship service. I am going to go out of order. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Um, I want you to hold that beautiful image in your mind. I'm going to come back to it. But because Mitchell needs to go on and do other things, and many of these staff need to go on and do other things, I'm going to go out of sequence and invite Mitchell. There's a microphone here, Mitchell. Excellent. Bring it. Great. And I'm going to invite Amelia to stand with me. Hey, my name is the Reverend Mitchell Felton, and I am the Director of Youth Ministries here at St. Columbus. Um, so my first sermon here, I preached on uh, the parable of the sower. And in the sermon, I said that I am not the sower, uh, and yet it is my job to bear witness to the seed that God plants within the young people uh, in our community uh, and to bear witness to their stories. Uh, and I get to do that. Uh, every day I walk into this place, um, and it's the best job ever. Uh, and the ways that I have been able to bear witness to that um, is through our formation with Summit and Base Camp. Um, it is through a youth overnight where just on Friday night we were here uh, from 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. Uh, we're looking for volunteers next year, so sign up. Uh, you get to sleep in the nave. Um, and, um, and, and also through our summer and winter pilgrimages, um, where I get to live intentionally uh, with our kids uh, and get to know them and get to know their stories and get to see how God is working um, in their stories. And for our New York City pilgrimage, Amelia, uh, was one of our pilgrims, and she is going to share briefly as well. Hi, my name is Amelia, and I'm a sophomore in high school, and I've been attending St. Columba's for a bit under a year, and it's given me a lot of new opportunities to make friends through stuff like Mitchell said, like the pilgrimage and youth overnights. And some of my favorite memories from these were playing hide-and-seek, just at the overnight a few days ago and walking through New York with everyone, even though it was raining, because we all kind of became closer. And I highly suggest to anyone that if your child has not gone to any of these events, they should, because it's a lot of fun and good opportunity to make new friends. Thank you, Amelia. Thank you for sharing that. Um, 
I'm going to ask if, Patty, can you scroll us back and see if we can find the communication staff? Because I wanted to say a little bit about this, but actually before, there we go. Um, there we go. So, um, ever since uh, COVID forced us to create opportunities to gather online, we have invested more in our capacity to do just that. And our communication team is led by Lauren DeVito, and with Jamal Williams and Amanda Fulton, uh, St. Columba's is developing um, what's been called a digital campus. I want you to know, because you may not know, that on an average Sunday, over 100 households are joining and worshiping with us. They may not do it right during the time when we're live streaming, but they catch it, um, they tune in during the course of the week. It's an average of 100. Who are they? Well, it's a mix. We can tell some of who you are out there. Um, we know that um, many are uh, parishioners uh, whose patterns of worship changed during COVID. We know that some are parishioners who find themselves at home for a time, perhaps because of a health reason or perhaps because of travel. Um, we also know that there are people um, who join us for worship because they're checking out St. Columba's um, to see if this is a community that they want to be part of. Uh, we've just embarked on a, an inquirer's class and one member of the class uh, until this morning. Uh, she had been um, checking us out online, participating in worship, and uh, came to get to know us that way before making a decision to enter the doors of the church. And we know that some live far, far away, and no matter how much they love what they see and experience through St. Columba's online, they're not going to be able to join us online because they live in California or Michigan or who knows where. Um, many of those who are worshiping with us regularly online are also regular pledging members. I want to put this into context. So I said that um, over 100 folks join us regularly. Um, the parochial report recently came out. Parochial report is like the census of the Episcopal Church that tracks trends. The average Episcopal Church in America is about 50 people. So our online congregation is twice the size of the average Episcopal church. Um, that digital campus really matters. Uh, it's how many people are greeting us and engaging with us on an ongoing basis. Um, and we're continuing to uh, build on that um, with videos, with social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram and Spotify and YouTube and a whole lot more. I just wanted to flag that because we don't always see it and we aren't always aware of it. Um, but uh, it also uh, points to the fact that um, St. Columbus um, has more or less, if you're measuring numbers, uh, recovered from COVID. It's just that a whole bunch of us are joining us regularly online rather than in person. The other thing I wanted to say while all those beautiful people were standing up in front of you is um, uh, as you 
no doubt have read or heard along the way, uh, the vast majority of our budget is directed towards salaries and benefits. And why do we have a staff this size? And why do we invest so much? Taken together, it's a lot of money. None of those folks are getting rich, I will tell you, from their salary. Um, but we invest uh, because we take seriously that the church is the body of Christ. And what that means uh, is that uh, we are all here with our different gifts and abilities and experiences and our needs and our sorrows. And I view the staff as providing the connective tissue in the body, uh, paying attention to the nervous system, the flow of blood, the musculature, because each and every one of those people that's part of the staff is helping some number of us feel and be connected to the life of this body and to exercise and use our gifts that God has given us and carry those gifts out um, into the world in ministry as the body of Christ. So. Um, this is not going to be the only time you're going to hear a plug, but the cost of living, it's rising in America. As it's true for you, it's true for your staff. And even without adding new programs or projects, the cost of being the church with utilities, insurance, salaries, it's risen 8%. Um, the only way we can meet this hour is with our collective generosity. Many of you have recognized this. And as you are able, have made significant increase in your pledges. Thank you. Some of you are not able to do so. I understand. If you haven't yet made your pledge, please do so today. Today. There's a, there are cards. You can do it online. Um, and if you are able and can bump it up by 10%, that's where we need to go. So thank you, thank you. Um, at a special rector's forum uh, in early October, about six weeks ago, we presented a whole lot of new initiatives. And we told you at that time how we plan to proceed. Uh, we rolled out an updated vision and strategic plan to live God's love. And since that meeting six weeks ago, we have met with the leaders of all of our different ministries, each of whom is finding ways to connect what they're doing and how they're carrying out their ministry with that vision and plan so that we move as one body. Um, woven all through that plan is our commitment to become anti-racist. And we're in conversation now about how St. Columbus can participate in reparations. In a moment, Lane Hurd is going to say a word about that. So the Master Planning Committee shared a host of ideas in um, both in paper and online in a document called Our Future Church and asked you to tell us what you thought about these ideas and you have and Elizabeth Taylor is going to share a word about that. We launched our stewardship campaign moved by the spirit. We're well on the way. We have one week to go. Um, I shared news that I anticipate retiring sometime in early 2025 led by uh, Senior Warden Sarah Glenn, the vestry, is mapping out steps for a healthy transition, and she's going to share news of that probably sometime in the, in the beginning of the new year. Speaking of next year, 2024, is St. Columba's 150th anniversary. 
Um, celebration is going to get underway actually in just a few weeks' time with Advent and the start of the new liturgical calendar. And what we're going to be doing to begin is we're going to be inviting you, inviting all who have been part of St. Columba's to share stories. Uh, to share stories of memorable personal experiences that you've had of St. Columbus. And there will be a host of media, medium, by which you can share those stories. So look for those invitations to come. And save the date, uh, May 19, this coming year, is the Feast of Pentecost. Now, I know you're always saving the date of Pentecost, but um, May 19, uh, the reason to save that date is because the most reverend Michael Curry, who's the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, is going to be with us to celebrate. Uh, as previously announced, he will not be here in the afternoon. He will be here in the morning. Um, and if you have not um, encountered uh, Bishop Michael Curry, then uh, the one thing you need to know is it's going to be all about love. It's just going to be a big love fest because that's what Michael Curry does. Um, we do anticipate that our 150th will include a capital campaign, and the vestry is weighing some, some priorities and opportunities about how to address property or build the endowment, outreach, justice, reparations. Um, and for those of you who are watching the calendar, and I, I think I said this before, but I'm aware that some people missed it, um, I have every intention of leading and supporting us through that capital campaign um, before I ride off into the sunset. It's important to me to see these visions and plans and goals um, come to fruition. Let's see, let me check my agenda as to what happens here. Um, And I'm not going to go to the youth ministry because we've already heard from them. So instead, I'm going to ask Elizabeth Taylor uh, to share some words about master planning. And do you have slides or no I slides? I do not have slides. No, okay. I just have me. Um, so Great. Thank you, Ledlie. Um, so as Ledlie said, we have been gathering information, gathering feedback, and we've done that in all kinds of ways. We've met individually with ministry leaders. We've met with many of you. We've offered chances to get together during the week, at night, on Sundays, online, in person, you know, every way we could. We've tried to make sure that everybody had an opportunity to give us feedback. And there's an online survey, and it's still live online if you go to our future church at columba.org. So thank you. Thank you to all of you for the feedback. It is enormously helpful. And thank you to all the members of the Master Planning Committee who have staffed all these various events because there have been a lot of them. Um, I should say uh, Steve Smith and I are co-chairing this effort, and uh, uh, it's, a, it's a great partnership. So thank you, Steve. Um, so where are we now? Um, I would say that we are right now trying to get our arms around all of this feedback, um, and there are sort of two tracks. So one of the aspects of our thinking has to do with changes to our existing church. And, um, you know, there's some big things that we're pretty clear that we have to do, like we know we need flexible space. The youth, the youth ministry needs flexible space. The water ministry needs flexible space. Um, 
we know that we've got to make some changes to the entrance because we're about to have, have to put police tape over the door on the Albemarle side because the steel is bending. So there's some things that we know we have to do. Um, and for other things, we need to figure out what it's going to cost. So we've engaged Barnes Vans architects to help us sketch out what some of these ideas look like when they're translated into designs because that will help us put price tags on some things. So the plan is that we will report to the vestry, we hope, in January of 2024 with some more prioritization and concrete ideas for um, the plans. And we'll come back to you with more information as we make these ideas more concrete. The other track is Fletcher House. And we've also received a lot of feedback about our ideas for Fletcher House. Um, it's over there. Over there. Um, so the, the feedback ranges from great idea, I love it, to can you be more ambitious so that we can do more to address the homelessness problem um, in the District of Columbia to, you know, I'm okay, but um, I've got concerns about impact on parking and water runoff and does the church really want to be in the business of housing and what about zoning? And uh, so all are legitimate and good um, issues to flag for us. So again, thank you. We've met with neighbors a number of times and um, had really positive conversations with neighbors. Um, we're listening to their concerns. We've met with our ANC commissioners, our DC council rep. Um, so again, we're, we're in the information gathering stage and the next thing we'll do is to try to get better answers to some of the questions if we can. Um, that's on a slower track than the, you know, we, we're not ready to start designing the Fletcher House space. And so that's, they're moving forward, but at slightly different paces, because even if we do move forward with, you know, a new building at Fletcher House, and again, nothing has been decided, um, we're going to have to go through zoning and, you know, other stuff like that. So that's on a slower track, but again, we'll keep you posted and we'll keep coming back to you. Elizabeth, and um, we're gonna, what I'm going to do is in, have us have all of our different presentations on different topics, and then I believe we'll have some time if people have questions about any portion of it. So thank you. I'm going to hand this over to Lane Hurd. Thank you, Elizabeth. And Steve, these people are doing a lot of work. Good morning. <clears throat> I'm here this morning um, along with Tisha Evans, who's my co-chair. The Anti-Racism Task Force has been in existence now coming up on three years. And in August, the task force gave a report and recommendation to the vestry, and that canvassed our activity over this past two-plus years. And I'm not going to try to recap that history for you today, but instead just tell you about the question that is occupying our attention at the moment and the question with which we're wrestling. Before I do that, let me just ask you to step back to Ash Wednesday of 2023, the familiar words from the Book of Common Prayer when we are invited into the observance of a holy Lent through a period of self-examination and reflection. 
And this past year during Lent, we took on that question of self-examination and reflection through considering what repentance might mean in terms of the history of racism in the United States and in the Episcopal Church of the United States. And there are about 200 copies of this book that were simply left out on a table for people to pick up and read. And all of those copies were taken. And many of you have told me that you went out and bought your own copies. So a lot of people were engaged in the question of reflecting on what is the Christian call, what is the distinctively Christian call to repentance and repair in that context. Well, at this point, the task forces narrowed our focus a little bit to our own parish history, not the wider history of the United States or the wider history of the Episcopal Church, although those are important and inform our thinking. Well, we're focused on four points. Based on the history of this parish, we know that the land on which our campus sits, this corner of 42nd and Albemarle, is land that was donated to the diocese and then to St. Columbus by an enslaver. The second thing we know is that this sanctuary in which we're in right now, the lead gift that started the capital campaign that made the building of this sanctuary possible was the largest gift in the history of the church that was made by the daughter of the enslaver who held slaves and used them to work this property. We also know that because this building campaign for this church overextended the church and the church got into debt and financial difficulty, it then appropriated to itself the eminent domain proceeds for the property that was taken from our mission church, St. George, and the church simply appropriated that to our own use. And lastly, we know that in the 1920s and 1930s, there was a policy directed by the city government and the federal government to basically evict, evict through the use of eminent domain and other ways, the black population around Fort Reno and in Tinleytown in order to create the community of Chevy Chase. And we were at best complicit in that. So the task force is focused on these aspects of our history, and we're asking what action is appropriate in light of what we now know that we didn't know about the history of the church 10 years ago or 15 or 25 years ago, but we know now because of some deep research and writing that's been made available. So I will just tell you we are focusing on this. We're thinking about this in light of the capital campaign, although money would probably, in our view, never be sufficient. But we invite you to think about what we now know, and we would love to hear from you about what you think, what actions are appropriate in light of our parish history. Thank you, Lane. Thank you, Keisha, for leading us in this. I'm going to hand this over to Mike Davis, who is our treasurer for a financial report. Uh, good morning. Uh, before I say anything, I'd like to thank uh, Lauren, Jamal, the Finance Committee, which uh, meets monthly, unheralded, uh, that helped make this report possible, 
and especially Greg Parker, uh, who's the brains of the operation. Um, if we could go to the second slide, please. So I'm just going to cover uh, a couple of key points um, that we'll go over in a couple of minutes. Uh, the 2023 audit of the church and nursery school, our operating results in the 2024 budget. Uh, if we can go to the next page, Jamal. Uh, St. Columbus Independent Auditors uh, gave our financial statements a clean, unqualified opinion. Uh, Wegner's is our auditor. Uh, they're a nationwide firm, and they're uh, known for having particular expertise in auditing churches. Uh, they found no material weaknesses and no significant deficiencies. And most importantly, the audit was completed on time. Uh, and presented to the Finance Committee and the Vestry, which accepted it in October. Uh, so that was a great accomplishment. Didn't want to start my first year with the audit being late, so I'm <laughs> happy about that. Uh, just very briefly, on this page, uh, you can see our total assets are 16.4 million. Our notes payable uh, decreased by $117,000 as we continue to make principal payments, which we'll discuss in a moment. Uh, our notes payables are about $2 million and consist of a mortgage of about $100,000 on a house that the church owns, and the remainder is a note secured by our building. And uh, we can go to the next page, please. On this page, uh, we just wanted to point out uh, that our, our contributions or revenue increased by $760,000 this year, uh, mostly because of strategic fundraising uh, by Ledley and the Vestry, which we'll talk about in a moment. And, okay, thank you. And these are the uh, expenses of the church and the nursery school. I should mention that uh, the church and the nursery school are one legal entity uh, as part of uh, the St. Columbus Parish. Uh, and so the audit includes uh, both entities. Um, if you look at this page, you'll see that our expenses grew about 7%. Uh, you heard Ledley mention that inflation is about 8%. Our expenses increased by 7% or roughly $400,000, mainly because of increases in salaries, uh, insurance, utilities, uh, repairs, and maintenance. Next page, please. Uh, this page shows a few additional highlights. Um, all activities of the combined church and nursery school for fiscal year uh, 2023 resulted in a change in assets or surplus of roughly $660,797. Uh, this total, about $300,000, was uh, due to the nursery school uh, because their expenses were under budget and 360,000 or the remainder was due to the strategic fundraising. 
Uh, we don't have uh, much time for this, but for those of you who are interested in financial metrics, uh, we can see that the debt-to-equity ratio of the church uh, is on real solid ground. You can see it was 20.8% in 2019. Uh, it stayed roughly the same until 2022, where it spiked a little, but that's due to the uh, loan on the NAVE renovations. And it's already starting to go down and will continue to go down as we pay that loan off. And finally, uh, on this page, you'll see that our Luna or liquid unrestricted net assets have increased steadily since 2019, which means that theoretically, if St. Columbus didn't collect another dime for the next year, we'd be able to make it for 11 months. Uh, this is not an encouragement not to pledge, uh, and we would probably be worshiping outside uh, if we had to do that, but it, it does show the overall strength of our congregation. Next page, please. And now if we could just look uh, for just a couple minutes at the church only. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we had a surplus uh, of $360,000, mostly due to the strategic fundraising. Um, Ledley and the Vestry raised money to provide a cushion for the church for 2023 to 2025 so that we could expand our programs in social media, live streaming, full-time youth minister, uh, and new outreach programs, both before and during the pandemic, until pledges can catch up to fully fund these programs, and also for strategic initiatives going forward. If we look at the church as a whole, uh, we basically broke even this year. Uh, in fact, we probably did, but, but for an accounting quirk. Uh, so we had a slight uh, deficit of $9,000, but overall, uh, you know, generally we broke even. Uh, pledges uh, were 79% of our total revenue. Our focus in moving forward is to increase uh, pledging and looking for other sources of revenue. Uh, next page, please. And this, uh, and, and if you can't see it, that's one of the reasons why we printed out the budget. Uh, this is where the increase in the budget for next year is going to go. Uh, the budget is increasing by $256,000. Uh, this is related to expenses because of a 4% salary increase for staff, about $50,000 in program uh, expenses and also increased utility and maintenance costs. Uh, revenue, we're hoping, will increase by 5%, uh, along with strategic fundraising and uh, program and event revenue. Uh, the projected budget for 2024, if all goes well, will be break-even with a surplus of $1,000. And as we near the end here, I thought this would be interesting uh, for folks. Uh, these are our stewardship pledge trends. And as you can see, uh, it's, it's gone up a little each year since 2018, uh, in spite of the pandemic, which is, is quite remarkable. But as you can see on the bottom, 
uh, pledges uh, peaked in 2019 and <clears throat> have generally declined since then. So we have fewer folks pledging, but those who are pledging are pledging more. So hopefully as we exit the pandemic and things get back to normal, the number of uh, families pledging will increase and also the amount of pledges. But overall, uh, I think this chart shows that the church survived the pandemic quite well. And finally, the next page. Oh, we got to go back one. Uh, let, me, let me just, uh, we don't need to go back. Let me just say this. Uh, so far this year, uh, our pledge goal is $2,741,036. I suspect the $36 at the end will be the hardest to get to, but uh, that's our goal. To date, we received 280 pledges that total uh, 1.625 million, or about 59% of our goal. <clears throat> um, we probably, or at least at the moment, don't have time for questions, <clears throat> but if you do <clears throat> have them, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, please feel free to contact Greg Parker or myself. We'll be happy to answer them. Also, if you'd like a copy of the audit report, uh, we're also happy to provide you with a copy of that. Um, we hope that the audit report and this presentation has showed you that uh, St. Columbus finances are strong. Your money is being used widely. So if you haven't pledged, please do. Uh, if you can increase your pledge, please do. And thank you all for the many ways you support our parish. Thank you. Thank you, Mike, very much for being such a good steward of our gifts and resources. Um, the agenda has about a page and a half of names of you, people, parishioners, who are, have been exercising leadership and have handed that off to someone else. So somebody's stepping down and somebody is stepping up. And in addition to the financial report we just heard, for my money, this is the sign of a vital and vibrant and healthy congregation, is uh, the awareness that we all have gifts and we take turns in the exercise of those gifts. And just, I'm not gonna name everybody here, that's why they're listed here, and if I missed someone vital, um, please let me know. Um, uh, people listed here uh, and you know who you are or you've been with them along the way um, many of these people are giving extraordinarily of their time and their energy their expertise their faithfulness and their passion um, I have not been a fan of, of uh, doing a person of the year um, and, and I'm not going to do a person of the year um, but I am going to say that one person on here stands out for me, and uh, she's helping switch our little video thing here, Patty Jensen. Um, Patty has... Uh, <laughs> uh, 
I'm a little biased. Patty co-chaired the committee that called me as rector. Um, so it's working out well for me. Um, but Patty, Patty um, um, and Bill um, co-led Stirring the Waters, uh, deepening our attention to um, uh, racial uh, prejudice and racism. And uh, uh, Patty also uh, co-led the strategic plan that helped generate Live God's Love, and she's been serving on the vestry. So thank you, Patty, for all you do and are. Um, I'm going to wrap up and say one other thing, which is on the anti-racism piece, a plug. You'll see a lot of people, including myself, wearing a button saying, ask me about sacred ground. Uh, this is a curriculum that was created by the Episcopal Church. Thousands of Episcopalians across the land in probably thousands of churches have participated in this. It's a reading and video and discussion group. Um, we're hosting that again. There's information. Um, consider joining that. What have I missed? I think we've got about five minutes. Anybody have a particular question or word of a comment? Word of gratitude, there's a microphone in the center aisle. Well, all right. Oh, yes. Marilyn. There's right up here, there's a right, come on up, there's a microphone. Nope, let's see if it's on. Uh, this is certainly meant in a very positive manner. My husband and I and our family were welcomed to this church by Bill Swing and every rector since then. We love the church. We have people buried at the columbarium, and it's been very important to our lives. I just have one thing when I'm hearing about all the wonderful things the church continues to do, and new committees, new interests, new challenges, but I would really like to just say one thing. I would like us to focus a little more on the older people in this parish. You do a wonderful job with all the young families and it's so wonderful and important. But at the end of our lives, we need St. Columba more than ever. And I think you need us to broaden your interests and your sensibilities to what the world is all about and what humanity is all about. So I hesitated to say this because it's certainly not a criticism because I love my church, but I hope you will think about this. Thank you. Thank you, Marilyn. about the number of pledges received thus far. How does that track with previous years? Are we about on track with the number? We are, yes. Reaching the goal? Yes. We are on track with previous years. That said, um, the, 
the, the vestry and the stewardship committee's goal is 100% participation, and we are below 50% at this point. Um, it's going to be amazing to see half of the entire congregation pledge in the next couple of days. I just can't wait. I, it's going to be like Christmas. I don't know where Heather Beck is going to be just um, opening presents and, and jumping for joy, as is Scott Murphy and Elizabeth Gardner, who are co-chairing the stewardship committee this year. So um, as you all send in those pledge cards, we're just going to be all kinds of excited. Thank you, Thelma. Let us walk in peace. Let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord.